Section 31 of The House Behind the Cedars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. The House Behind the Cedars by Charles W. Chestnut. Section 31 In Deep Waters. Rena was unusually fatigued at the close of her school on Wednesday afternoon. She had been troubled all day with a headache, which, beginning with a dull pain, had gradually increased in intensity until every nerve was throbbing like a trip-hammer. The pupils seemed unusually stupid. A discouraging sense of the insignificance of any part she could perform towards the education of three million people with a school term of two months a year hung over her spirit like a pall. As the object of Wayne's attentions, she had begun to feel somewhat like a wild creature who hears the pursuers on its track, and has the fear of capture added to the fatigue of flight. But when this excitement had gone too far, and had neared the limit of exhaustion, came Tryon's letter, with the resulting surprise and consternation. Rena had keyed herself up to a heroic pitch to answer it but when the inevitable reaction came, she was overwhelmed with a sickening sense of her own weakness. The things which in another sphere had constituted her strength and shield were now her undoing, and exposed her to dangers from which they lent her no protection. Not only was this position in theory, but the pursuers were already at her heels. As the day wore on, these dark thoughts took on an added gloom, until, when the hour to dismiss school arrived, she felt as though she had not a friend in the world. This feeling was accentuated by a letter which she had that morning received from her mother, in which Miss Molly spoke very highly of Wayne, and plainly expressed the hope that her daughter might like him so well that she would prefer to remain in Sampson County. Plato, bright-eyed and alert, was waiting in the schoolyard until the teacher should be ready to start. Having warned away several smaller children who had hung around after school as though to share his prerogative of accompanying the teacher, Plato had swung himself into the low branches of an oak at the edge of the clearing, from which he was hanging by his legs, head downward. He dropped from this reposeful attitude when the teacher appeared at the door and took his place at her side. A premonition of impending trouble caused the teacher to hesitate. She wished that she had kept more of the pupils behind. Something whispered that danger lurked in the road she customarily followed. Plato seemed insignificantly small and weak, and she felt miserably unable to cope with any difficult or untoward situation. Plato, she suggested, I think we'll go round the other way tonight, if you don't mind. Visions of Ma's George disappointed of a dollar unearned and unspent, flitted through the narrow brain which some one with the irony of ignorance or of knowledge had mocked with the name of a great philosopher. Plato was not an untruthful lad, but he seldom had the opportunity to earn a dollar. His imagination, spurred on by the instinct of self-interest, rose to the emergency. "'I's feared you might get snake-bit going round that way, Miss Rena. My brother Jim killed a water moccasin down there yesterday.' about ten feet long. Rena had a horror of snakes, with which the swamp by which the other road ran was infested. Snakes were a vivid reality. 
her presentiment was probably a mere depression of spirits due to her condition of nervous exhaustion a cloud had come up and threatened rain and the wind was rising ominously the old way was the shorter she wanted above all things to get to elder johnson's and go to bed perhaps sleep would rest her tired brain she could not imagine herself feeling worse unless she should break down altogether she plunged into the path and hastened forward so as to reach home before the approaching storm so completely was she absorbed in her own thoughts that she scarcely noticed that plato himself seemed preoccupied instead of capering along like a playful kitten or puppy he walked by her side unusually silent when they had gone a short distance and were approaching a path which intersected their road at something near a right angle the teacher missed plato he had dropped behind a moment before now he had disappeared entirely her vague alarm of a few moments before returned with redoubled force plato she called plato there was no response save the soughing of the wind through the swaying treetops she stepped hastily forward wondering if this were some childish prank if so it was badly timed and she would let plato feel the weight of her displeasure her forward step had brought her to the junction of the two paths where she paused doubtfully the route she had been following was the most direct way home but led for quite a distance through the forest which she did not care to traverse alone the intersecting path would soon take her to the main road where she might find shelter or company or both glancing around again in search of her missing escort she became aware that a man was approaching her from each of the two paths in one she recognized the eager and excited face of george tryon flushed with anticipation of their meeting and yet grave with uncertainty of his reception advancing confidently along the other path she saw the face of jeff wayne drawn as she imagined in her anguish with evil passions which would stop at nothing what should she do there was no sign of plato for aught she could see or hear of him the earth might have swallowed him up some deadly serpent might have stung him some wandering rabbit might have tempted him aside another thought struck her plato had been very quiet there had been something on his conscience perhaps he had betrayed her but to which of the two men and to what end the problem was too much for her overwrought brain she turned and fled a wiser instinct might have led her forward in the two conflicting dangers she might have found safety the road after all was a public way any number of persons might meet there accidentally but she saw only the darker side of the situation to turn to tryon for protection before wayne had by some overt act manifested the evil purpose which she as yet only suspected would be she imagined to acknowledge a previous secret acquaintance with tryon thus placing her reputation at wayne's mercy and to charge herself with a burden of obligation toward a man whom she wished to avoid and had refused to meet if on the other hand she would go forward to meet wayne he would undoubtedly offer to accompany her homeward tryon would inevitably observe the meeting and suppose it prearranged not for the world would she have him think so why she should care for his opinion she did not stop to argue 
she turned and fled, and, to avoid possible pursuit, struck to the underbrush at an angle which she calculated would bring her in a few rods to another path which would lead quickly into the main road. She had run only a few yards when she found herself in the midst of a clump of prickly shrubs and briars. Meantime the storm had burst. The rain fell in torrents. Extricating herself from the thorns, she pressed forward, but instead of coming out upon the road, found herself penetrating deeper and deeper into the forest. The storm increased in violence. The air grew darker and darker. It was near evening. The clouds were dense. The thick woods increased the gloom. Suddenly a blinding flash of lightning pierced the darkness, followed by a sharp clap of thunder. There was a crash of falling timber. Terror-stricken, Rena flew forward through the forest, the underbrush growing closer and closer as she advanced. Suddenly the earth gave way beneath her feet, and she sank into a concealed morass. By clasping the trunk of a neighboring sapling, she extricated herself with an effort, and realized with a horrible certainty that she was lost in the swamp. Turning, she tried to retrace her steps. A flash of lightning penetrated the gloom around her, and barring her path, she saw a huge black snake. Harmless enough, in fact, but to her excited imagination, frightful in appearance. With a wild shriek, she turned again, staggered forward a few yards, stumbled over a projecting root, and fell heavily to the earth. When Rena had disappeared in the underbrush, Trion and Wayne had each instinctively set out in pursuit of her but owing to the gathering darkness, the noise of the storm, and the thickness of the underbrush, they missed not only Rena but each other, and neither was aware of the other's presence in the forest. Wayne kept up the chase until the rain drove him to shelter. Trion, after a few minutes, realized that she had fled to escape him, and that to pursue her would be to defeat rather than promote his purpose. He desisted, therefore, and returning to the main road stationed himself at a point where he could watch elder johnson's house and having waited for a while without any signs of rena concluded that she had taken refuge in some friendly cabin turning homeward disconsolately as night came on he intercepted plato on his way back from town and pledged him to inviolable secrecy so effectually that plato when subsequently questioned merely answered that he had stopped a moment to gather some chinkapins, and when he had looked around, the teacher was gone. Rena, not appearing at supper-time nor for an hour later, the elder, somewhat anxious, made inquiries about the neighborhood, and finding his guest at no place where she might be expected to stop, became somewhat alarmed. Wayne's house was the last to which he went. He had surmised that there was some mystery connected with her leaving Wayne's, but had never been given any definite information about the matter. In response to his inquiries, Wayne expressed surprise, but betrayed a certain self-consciousness which did not escape the elder's eye. Returning home, he organized a search party from his own family and several near neighbors, and set out with dogs and torches to scour the woods for the missing teacher. A couple of hours later they found her lying unconscious in the edge of the swamp, only a few rods from the well-defined path which would soon have led her to the open highway. 
strong arms lifted her gently and bore her home mrs johnson undressed her and put her to bed administering a homely remedy of which whiskey was the principal ingredient to counteract the effects of the exposure there was a doctor within five miles but no one thought of sending for him nor was it at all likely that it would have been possible to get him for such a case at such an hour rena's illness however was more deeply seated than her friends could imagine a tired body in sympathy with an overwrought brain had left her peculiarly susceptible to the nervous shock of her forest experience the exposure for several hours in her wet clothing to the damps and miasma of the swamp had brought on an attack of brain fever the next morning she was delirious one of the children took word to the schoolhouse that the teacher was sick and there would be no school that day a number of curious and sympathetic people came in from time to time and suggested various remedies several of which old mrs johnson with catholic impartiality administered to the helpless teacher who from delirium gradually sunk into a heavy stupor scarcely distinguishable from sleep it was predicted that she would probably be well in the morning if not it would then be time to consider seriously the question of sending for a doctor end of section thirty one recording by james k white chula vista